Hi, this is Matthew Batten, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Five to one, baby. One in five. Welcome to episode 222 of Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. Yo, know, it's episode two. 222, but five is the number of the day. Five to one, baby. Because um, we've got, well, it's almost five to one. We got a five for two trade, and we've got rule five news. So five is the number of the day. It is. And God, I love that song from the doors. It's just, a, I, I I saw it up there. I'm like, fuck, that's perfect. It's perfect. I, I dig it. I love the live I like version the songs of it. that slow down and they get yeah. that like slow, quiet thing, and then they build back up to the crescendo. That's always fun. See, the, the Pixies learned it from the Doors, and, and the Nirvana learned it from the Pixies. So it's it's loud, quiet, loud, quiet. Yep, yep. Well, the things were loud, and then they got quiet, and then the Juan Soto news dropped, and things got loud again. And then today, it's Shohei. Oh, my were, God. Were you well, on a plane well. flying to Toronto? I was not <laughs> on a plane flying to Toronto. I was not in Toronto. I was in San Diego at work today. As was I, and uh, my heart was in Ireland because I watched a lot of the Shane McGowan uh, memorial service in Ireland, Dublin. Mm. They buried Shane McGowan today of the Pogues. And uh, I don't, you know, I only knew the few couple of songs. Uh, you know, you always hear about those guys in, you know, in, in the punk, you know, just in, 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 you know, listening to punk as I do. Um, but I didn't know a lot of the music, but since he's died, I'm just like, oh, fuck, he's, he, they did that song. Oh, he did that song. Well, oh. you know, as we get closer to Christmas, we'll have to put Fairy Tale of New York up there as our as our episode music in his honor. Oh, absolutely. Well, and speaking of future episodes, uh, we have in the can in the books coming up uh, in the coming weeks, uh, Robbie Snelling, uh, Ryan Bitcher, Austin Crobb. Braden Austin's a lefty. Us left, yes, thank you. Um, and Braden Net. So we got some interviews uh booked. We just haven't done them yet. Oh, we'll next week we'll be busy. Very busy. Uh, and then I'm on break for two weeks, so I'll have a ton to uh to put together. I don't know what, what I'll do. Maybe it'll be my time off. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about breaking news. So we've got a big transaction. The Padres traded yeah. Juan Soto and Trent Grisham to the Yankees for right-handed pitchers, Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, as well as ca- ca- catcher Kyle Higashioka. Huge, <laughs> huge deal. What's your initial reflex? Like when you heard the deal was going down, what was your gut telling you? I, I, for some reason, I mean, I knew it was going to be New York, but something about the winter meetings in this time of year where deals like that, that are so complex and both teams, you know, both teams really needed this to happen. Um, I didn't really think it was going to get done until after the winter meetings. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm with you there, especially with all these pitchers involved and they need to look at everybody's medicals and stuff. But yeah, these kinds of deals often take weeks to come together. And this one looked like it came together in a couple of days. Well, they've been working on it since last, uh, you know, since last trade deadline. Um, obviously holding on to, to Juan Soto for the rest of the year. My initial reaction was after I, I saw one start, Michael King start. Like I saw some kid pitch against uh, for the Yankees early this season. I'm like, oh shit. Oh, that's Michael King. He was nasty. Um, any trade that you trade away, you know, someone like Juan Soto, it's going to be underwhelming. Uh, you know, everyone's just going to go like, oh, it's not, you know, Aaron Judge or it's not, you know, Stanton. Um, it's going to seem underwhelming, but as minor league guys, I'm excited about these guys. I'm excited about Michael King. I'm excited about Drew Thorpe. 
Um, you know, Johnny Brito and Randy Vasquez. We'll talk a little bit more about all these guys a little bit later on. I'm excited for it. It's something we needed. It frees up much, much, much needed money. Um, and there's a potential of what we can do with that money uh, to get, you know, maybe the uh, leave from, from Korea. Right. Yeah. So the, the Padres, I mean, they needed, they need starting pitching. They need bullpen help badly. So this yeah. brings in potentially two or three starting pitchers that could, you could put them in the rotation right away. Yeah. Uh, they needed a backup catcher. They were talking about maybe bringing back, uh, uh, bringing back Gary Sanchez, maybe talking to Tucker Barnhart. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. This solves that problem. Um, it does open up two holes in the outfield. So now you've got Fernando Tatis Jr. and what Jose Zocar and Matthew Batten and whoever else uh, you know, can run around out there with a, with a mitt. Um, so that's not going to, that's not going to be the case come no, March. Won't. They've got lots of work to do, but yeah, it freed up what almost well $35 million. Yeah. Cause Grisham is due for a raise. He's going to make about five mil. And then Soto is going to pull like $35 million. So I, I, I'm never going to love a trade where you're giving away Juan Soto, a right. player of that caliber. I mean, Ted Williams type performance at the plate. Uh, but you're addressing a bunch of team needs all in one fell swoop. And most of these guys are going to be around for beyond this season. Uh, and with Thorpe, Brito and Vasquez, you've got guys for six plus years. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny when we first got Soto, you know, there was talk of, of signing him long-term, but the other half of that sentence was, if not, we can just flip him for people that, you know, we just flip him for prospects later on. And that almost in the excitement of getting this guy, that was the like afterthought when probably all intentions, it was probably going to happen anyway. I mean, even if Peter Seidler was alive, um, we still, the Padres cannot, and it's not about, no, it's not my money. We would blow well past those taxes for several, several years uh, and still need a lot more money to, to, to fill out a starting rotation, to fill up the bullpen, to add those other pieces at a team. You know, you can't spend all your money on five guys and expect to win championship games and not be a kind of a laughing stock of the league. Besides, we're not, this isn't a five guys town. This is an in and out kind of town. Yeah, we're totally in and out guys here. <laughs> All right, so we've gathered a whole bunch of little <laughs> tidbits from all yeah. over the place about who these guys are, who the new Padres are. Um, so why don't you kick us off here with this note from Dennis Lynn? Well, here's here's the thing from Dennis Lynn. Or first things first, uh, Drew Thorpe was the pitching prospect of the year this year. He led the minors with 182 strikeouts and a 26.9 K to base on ball rate while posting a 2.52 ERA over 139 innings, 139 and a third innings from high A to double A. So he kind of and right behind him was Robbie Snelling. So it was right. he was a, he was a co finalist for that for that award. And Robbie Snelling. So we now have both top minor league pitchers in our system. And I do see these guys very similar in in kind of in where they were. You know, they both started in high A, both made their way to double A. Um, so to have those guys in our pocket coming up in the next later next year, hopefully somewhere in 25, absolutely, um, is absolutely huge. And then there, uh, so there is one difference I want to point out, though, because you make the comparison between him and Snelling. Snelling is a high school guy. Uh, where Thorpe came out of college. So Thorpe is a little bit older, a little bit more polished. I think the more, uh, so I think the more fair comparison would be somebody more like Adam Mazur, um, 
as somebody that moved up to double A this year and performed at a very good level and was looking like he may be near ready for the majors. So Snelling, you look at what he did and you can still say, well, he probably needs at least another year before he's touching the big league roster where Thorpe, um, he's going to be in big league camp and he may have a chance to make the roster right off the bat. Hmm. Absolutely. And that really kind of bodes well for having Snelling being so young and, Doing so well, being the runner-up to a guy that's been in the minors for a while. But this is from Dennis Lynn on Michael King. Uh, King logged a one point eighty-eight ERA and eight starts to run. Uh, excuse me, he logged a one point eight eight ERA in eight starts in two thousand twenty-three. Proven as a reliever, the twenty-eight-year-old will be given the opportunity to be a mid-rotation starter for the Padres. Thorpe, twenty-three, was a two thousand twenty-two second-round pick who has risen quickly, landing the minor leagues. Last season with 182 strikeouts between high A and double A, Brito and Vasquez, both 25, showed promise as big league rookies who can either start or relieve. So the projected arbitration figures are, well, and then finish that out with Higashoka. Higashioka. Higashioka, a 33-year-old nearing his final season before free agency, is a veteran catcher who can back up expected primary starter Campy, Luis Camposano. Among the newcomers, only King and Higashoka are arbitration eligible? I don't know why I can't read large names. Um, so this is the money. MLB trade rumors projects a two point six salary for King and a two point three million for Higasoka. So, so are- that's about what you'd be paying Grisham. And now you've got both those guys. So the interesting, okay. So I like the angle about picking up Higashioka um, because if you go out and you pick up Tucker Barnhart, Gary Sanchez, somebody like that, they're going to expect. They're going to want more playing, playing time. time. Yeah. They're going to d- command. They want, you know, 80, 90 games behind the plate. And if the Padres really believe in Trent, Gr- in, uh, I'm sorry, Luis Camposano being the guy, then they need a capable backup, but they need somebody who has the defensive acumen and all that other stuff. Kind of the things that Austin Nola was bringing. Um, uh, and then the, the price tag, because if you're going to sign one of these free agent guys, they're going to want five to eight million dollars on a one-year contract and so now you're saving money right there on somebody that is a role player it's still a very important role and so higashioka he's yeah he he's definitely a backup type doesn't hit for a lot of average he's got just enough pop to get by uh pretty good framer um kind of does everything okay um a couple things he does well and i think that works out really well for that role um so michael king is an interesting person when you look at his career because he's been in the majors since what 2019 um he's logged plenty of time he's had a lot of injuries um he had an interest he fractured a bone in his elbow and i believe it's the same bone that hansel rodriguez fractured when he was in lake elsinore um and it's on the back side of the elbow. It's a very unusual bone to to fracture. Something oh. usually that that uh, the guys break at an earlier age. He was dealing with elbow pain. He didn't want to tell anybody because he was getting playing time. He was doing really well. And then it went right in a, in the middle of a game in Yankee Stadium. And just I mean, what a tragic thing. There's a big article in the Athletic about it. Oh. Um, so the question mark with him is how how healthy can he stay how long how much can he contribute but as you saw when he's healthy he is nasty yeah he's got a fastball with life he's got a slider and a changeup that both look really really good uh so he's going to plug right into the middle of the rotation it's just a matter of how you know how much bulk are they going to get out of him yeah and this came from uh eric Loggenhagen in, in fangrass 
The headliner in the return is King, who spent most of his four years of MLB service time as a multi-inning reliever before sliding into the Yankees rotation late last August. He looked fantastic after the move. 38 in the third innings, 33 hits, 9 walks, 48 strikeouts with a 1.88 ERA. And while he hasn't had the opportunity to prove that he can sustain this kind of performance over a full season of starters' innings, his 104 innings in 2023 was easily a career high. He's talented enough to soften the blow of losing Snell and others. Absolutely. Also in this little article, you know, they uh, log in hanging expects – you know, that Jairo Iriarte is talented enough to make a meaningful impact next year. So I, I think they might be piecing, you know, they still need one more starter for sure, but I think they might be piecing those all those 700 innings that we lost with uh, free agency uh, with some of these guys. And I would love the idea of giving Iriarte a shot, you know, and, and who else can make their way uh, once the minor league season starts and these guys start performing. Well, so I've got uh, so Fangraphs has their their roster resource here, a nice handy depth chart. Especially in the in the off season, they they kind of stack it by position. Right. So under starting pitching, after you get past Musgrove, uh, uh, Darvish, King, Vasquez, and Matt Waldron, um, so obviously there's still room for something else there. But then you go. Uh, Iriarte, Jay Groom, Morihone, Otto, Berger, Ryan Carpenter, Nolan Watson, Gabe Mosier, and then you get to Drew Thorpe, Robbie Snelling, guys like that. And so you look at all of those guys, and we can't count on on them to hit. You want them to, right. and when the opportunity shows up, you want a bunch of those guys to be ready. Uh, but none of them have been pounding down the door at at the high major, the high minors recently. So they need to put some depth ahead of those guys, um, you know, to let the cream rise to the top. And not rush him up like they did with Ryan Weathers, like they did with Adrian Morahone. Right, for sure. Yeah, so Esteban uh, Rivera, uh, Fangrass, he, he wrote a definitive and thorough breakdown of King's arsenal and progression toward the end of the season. In short, so long as he has the stamina for it, he's going to be an impact guy. He's an all-star caliber talent who elevates San Diego's rotation back to a respectable place and might be the Padres best starter next year. King has accumulated four years of service time and will likely have very affordable RB year salaries because he's because so much of his career to this point was spent in non-closing relief capacity. He'll be a free agent after the 2025 season. Somebody mentioned Drew Pomeranz, and I think that's an interesting kind of a comp to pull with mm. the the talent that's that's clearly there, the health history um you know recently becoming a starter again which is what Pomeranz did in uh in milwaukee after coming back to san diego um you know hopefully this turns out better than than Pomeranz. uh but even so the price tag is affordable i mean yeah. the cost of trading juan soto is is huge uh but the the hit to your cbt bottom line your your payroll bottom line isn't that huge so if you wind up having to move them around a little bit so be it. It's just that just depends on what other pieces they put around him. Yeah. And, and for those that are listening that, that, you know, are hearing Pomeranz and going, it's not, it, don't, we, we didn't mean to speak his name back into existence. Um, <laughs> there's a lot more upside on this kid and um, it, it's nothing. It's just a comp. <laughs> right, right, right. 
Okay, so then Thorpe, Vasquez, and Brito. Um, so this is, again, from the, the Fangraphs article. Yeah. So before I talk about Thorpe and Vasquez, who are both still rookie eligible and therefore technically prospects, let's talk about Brito, who graduated from rookie status in 2023. He's a fair one-for-one replacement for Nick Martinez, who's now a red as a change-up heavy swingman who pitched 90 innings in 2023 with half of his appearances in starts and half in relief. While Brito's 96 mile an hour heater doesn't miss as many bats as you might hope in a short start or long relief role, he can deploy his changeup a ton to keep hitters at bay. He has four pitches, throws a ton of strikes, gets an above average rate of ground balls, and is a great fit in a long relief and swingman role, much like Martinez has been. The high effort nature of his delivery, his lack of size, and his below average command all put him in the long-term relief bucket a little more definitively than Brito. Oh, that must be talking about Vasquez. Um, and, and so I've seen that, that he has very good command, throws a ton of strikes, doesn't miss bats. So the key for him is going to be avoiding hard contact, getting the ball in play. Kind of sounds similar profile to what Nabil Chrismat was, only with yeah. a little bit more velocity. So a little bit, you know, less sitting on the edge of your seat, like the next pitch is going to be launched to the moon. <laughs> um, but I like, the, more I like, the, I like the flexibility because yeah. we need the Padres need help in the rotation and in the bullpen. So here's somebody that can give you both. Well, and that's the great thing about it. The flexibility is what's key there. If we do get more starters and, you know, he does make it, you know, they put him in the bullpen. Uh, if we need, just like Martinez, uh, hey, if we need to start a couple for a couple of weeks, someone's down for a couple of weeks, um, there's two starts that he can do. Uh, that makes him more available to the team. And and it's definitely, they get put him into another role back into the bullpen. Um, I like these guys that can come out of the bullpen. I think the, it was the Cardinals. That that's how they used to start all their starting pitchers is they came up through the minors, starter or not, start them in the bullpen, and then from the bullpen brought them out to either starter or kept them in the bullpen. But they always started in the bullpen. I mean, that's how Pedro Martinez started his career. He turned out all right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So moving on to the next one. So I'll I'll take Vasquez and then you talk about Thorpe since Absolutely. he's the minor league guy. So Vasquez sits 94 to 95 miles an hour, has a four-pitch mix headlined by his trademark breaking ball, which has wowed scouts for the past half decade or so. In a sense, he's the replacement for Lugo, another curveball heavy righty who spent his entire career on the starter reliever line before the Padres correctly predicted that he'd be able to start. Vasquez is just so tightly wound and mechanically violent that I'm not comfortable projecting him as a long-term starter. Because of San Diego's needs and the flexibility that his two remaining option years provide, I'd expect him to be 6th or 7th on the Padres' opening day rotation depth chart and be up and down as needed throughout the year. Once his options run dry, he's likely to shift into a more permanent relief role. Both he and Brito are 25 years old and under team control for the next half decade. So the to me, the thing that stands out there is the minor league options. Yeah. That, okay, right now we're penciling these guys into the big league roster, but by the time May April, uh, March rolls around, hopefully there's depth on depth around that yeah. maybe these guys can get nudged back to El Paso and they can ride the shuttle a little bit and, and be more depth guys. But if it doesn't wind up that way, they're definitely candidates right now. Yeah. And, and that's what this team has sorely lacked last year. Sorely lacked is that, is that shuttle guy, the guys that can come up and make a spot start a guy that can come up and fill into the bullpen. Um, We just didn't, we didn't have that as position player, you know, side of things. And we didn't have stuff like that on the mound as well, where we had to rely on some other guys that, that just weren't, you know, just didn't pan out. So, right, so tell on. us about Drew Thorpe. Yeah. So Drew Thorpe pitchers are pitchers with changeups are as good as Thorpe's 
as good as Thorpe's and who throw as many strikes as he does tend to be high floor propositions who pitch forever. His low 80s changeup has a ton of tail. He embodies mechanical repeatability, which helps him command it, and his ultra short arm stroke helps trick hitters into seeing fastball out of his hand. The effectiveness of Thorpe's slider, more average in terms of raw stuff and fastball below average at just 90-92, are enabled by his presence feel for loc- precise feel for location. Now, how many guys have we talked to in the past going, you throw 98 down the middle, I, I can hit it. Right. You, th- you throw 92 on the corner with movement, I'm screwed. Marcy mm-hmm. said that two weeks ago. Um, same thing with uh, Marcus Castagnon. Same thing. It's like, you throw 98 down the middle, I can catch up to it eventually. But you throw something with movement that's a little bit slower, like it's harder to hit that stuff. It's harder to barrel that stuff up. Um, going on to, I'll keep his guessing, but those pitchers don't currently. So his, he will throw the occasional cutter or curveball in an obvious fastball count to keep hitters guessing. But those pitches don't currently have any more utility than that, though I think the cutter eventually will. This is a very polished 23-year-old who, given San Diego's tendency to push prospects quickly is likely to grab a hold of an MLB rotation spot in the upcoming season. We're talking about plus command of a plus change up here. He'll be an offseason top 100 prospect here at Fangraphs. And and he's currently number 99 on MLB's list. I think uh, Baseball America has him at 98. Um, so the stuff isn't elite. It's right. how he commands it. Um, he understands how to attack hitters, and he's at least shown that up through the double A level. Uh, so Keith Law, in his analysis, he was much more critical um, of Thorpe, and he always has been um, because of just the raw stuff that what you yeah. see doesn't pop out. Of, now, a changeup, usually changeups don't kind of make your jaw drop. It's rare that you see somebody like with what Chris Paddock was doing right when he broke onto the scene. Um, that was unusual. Uh, it sounds like Thorpe's changeup is more of a vertical drop versus, right. uh, you know, one that has a lot of arm side run, which has become kind of the, the fashion. Um, but it's almost like a, like a, like a fork ball or a screw ball, not a yeah. screw ball. A, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What, what well, you splitting? Yeah. Splitting. Yeah. A splitter. It's, it's kind of like that where it comes out and then it just kind of drops and I can even, see the deceptiveness in that. Yeah, absolutely. And the short arm, you know, the short arm slot, uh, is what gives that deception. Trevor Hoffman threw the changeup that dropped off the table. Like it started up, it started out as a fastball and then just dropped. It didn't have fade. It just fell off the table and you had to commit. And by the time you're committing, that ball is already dropping out of the strike zone and you're swinging over it and you're on your front foot. Mm-hmm. Now, in both th- Vasquez and Brito, when, when uh, Preller was interviewed, he did mention shorter appearances for both of them. So I think they do have it in mind that their, their long-term role is in the bullpen. Um, but I haven't seen anything like that about Thorpe. It's like, if he's going to succeed, it's going to be as a starter. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and, and even if he doesn't, they're going to give him plenty of times to do that. And, uh, and if it doesn't, then we'll find another role for him. But with the much starting pitching as we have in double a, um, I think this is a great addition to it. I think it, it gives us six top 100 prospects. Of only we're the only third team. It's the Cubs and the Diamondbacks that have six uh, prospects in the top 100. Um, the depth that we've sorely, sorely lacked last year. It's funny. I was talking to a, a one of my customers uh, came. Her husband came by, and they're both Padres uh, fans, season ticket holders, and we talked about the same thing. It's like it, it's finally we had that depth that we lacked last year. You know, it's not there yet. I mean, they still have a lot of work 
to, to get to that point. Because I remember last spring I was standing there going, this team looks so deep. They're ba- yeah. There's balance. There's, and it turned out that none of that, <laughs> I mean, yeah. guys get hurt, guys underperform. And we didn't expect to see all the slumping all over the place. Uh, but it wasn't just at the big league level. The guys that you expected to be contributors, uh, like Jay Groom, had a hard time last year. Yeah. So I, I don't think we can stand here and go, okay, Adam Mazur, he's going to be ready by midseason. Jairo Iriarte, he's going to be, you know, he's going to come. It, at a spring training or, yeah. You don't you don't know that and and stuff happens. So I want to see them just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Um, so now on the depth side, there are some interesting moves that happened below the radar. So the winter meetings were last week. They were in Nashville. It was fun uh, following it vicariously through Sam Levitt, who was doing a really good job covering as much as he could <laughs> out there, uh, you know, baseball related and otherwise. Uh, but the uh, the finale of the winter meetings is the Rule 5 draft. And the Padres are always active in the Rule 5 draft. This year, the Padres selected right-handed pitcher Stephen Kolek from the Mariners in the Major League phase of the Rule 5 draft. Uh, and I liked what Madfires had to say about him. They said, Kolek opened last season in the bullpen back in A with encouraging results. He allowed just one hit in seven and a third innings and five outings, walking two and striking out 11. The excellent work resulted in a promotion to AAA Tacoma, where he went 4-2 and two with a 4.23 ERA in 44 games in relief. While the overall numbers aren't great, the underlying results can justify the Padres' selections. In 61 and a third innings, he allowed just 51 hits, an impressive mark in the Pacific Coast League. The numbers get better when you focus on the second half of the season. Over his last 36 games, Kolek pitched to a microscopic 1.0 ERA. He walked 14, struck out 44, and didn't allow a homer. This is in the PCL. This is During in the that, moon. This is the moon yeah. league. <laughs> During that stretch, opposing hitters hit just 161 against him. Among pitchers who threw at least 50 innings in the PCL, his 57.5% ground ball percentage ranked second in the league. So he's pure reliever. Yeah. Uh, but if there's somebody that you can pick in the Rule 5 draft and and keep on your roster, on a major league roster of a contending team, it's somebody like that that's figured out how to avoid hard contact gets plenty of strikeouts per inning pitched, um, has avoided the long ball, puts the ball on the ground a ton. You know you're going to have a really good defense in San Diego yeah. this year. Yeah. So I like this pick a lot. I, we'll see how it works out. You know, last year we got all excited for the guy they picked out of Tampa Bay, and they wound up sending him back before the season opened up. Um, you know, that's that's how, how it might wind up. That's, yeah. you know, chances are that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, but if he sticks, he could be somebody who can contribute to the to the major league roster all season. Now watch him turn out to be one of those guys that Preller picks up and just turns it on. Just yeah. turns it on. He's got um, a history of it. You know, through all this pitching, they're coming into, you know, Ruben Niebla's house. Um, I, I, I don't want to put too much emphasis on what Ruben Niebla does as a pitching coach or what he can do with these guys, but certainly having him and the confidence that the Padres have in Niebla does not hurt and, and certainly can – um, maybe a little bit more polishing with some of these guys and a little bit of the Niebla touch uh, can really make it a, really make a difference. Right. So I, I saw a conversation. Somebody po- brought up Shane Bieber. Um, he's lost a little bit of velocity. And so somebody was pointing out that he's not the ace that he used to be. So, you know, don't get so excited about the trade prospects and somebody, well, let Niebla get a hold of him and he'll, you know, get a couple more miles an hour. And that's not what Ruben Niebla does. Right. And if there's something that he can clean up in somebody's uh, uh, mechanics, he'll do that. But it's it's for efficiency and consistency, repeatability. Yeah. He's more looking at, uh, you know, how 
how you use your your weapons uh how efficient are your pitches if there's something that he can tweak because you hear about people okay I, I moved over a couple of seams on my slider and i was able to induce a little bit more horizontal break that kind of thing that's that's where niebla really works and then you know slide somebody over from the third base side of the rubber to the middle of the rubber to the pit the first base side those kinds of little tweaks uh but you never know what he might be able to find out of out of Brito and Vasquez. Um, yeah. I'm really intrigued to see what the Padres might be able to find out of those two. Absolutely. Uh, and All right, it's so really going to be great to see what the double, a, the double A and the triple A rotation look like this next year. Yeah. 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 Finally, there's going to be some, some stacked young talent at the, at the upper minors. Okay. So to, to wrap it up, we, there are some minor league transactions. Um, so the big league phase of the Rule 5 draft, we talk about this every year, that means that they need to keep the player on the big league roster all season. Sometimes they wind up spending time on the injured list, so this still counts. With the minor league phase, there are no roster limitations. Once the player is selected, they belong to the new team. They just had to purchase their contact contract from the old team. So the Padres selected second baseman Clay Dungan from the Royals and left-handed pitcher Omar Cruz and old friend from the Pirates. Old friend! Yeah. <laughs> so per Mad Friars, the 27-year-old Dungan was the ninth round pick in 2018 by the Royals who selected him out of Indiana State. Last season, the Terre Haute, Indiana native played for AAA Omaha, where he has spent the last two seasons. Overall, he hit 273, 386, 365, good for a weighted runs created plus of 98. So he's a league average hitter in AAA. He walked in a career high 15 and two-third percent of his plate appearances. Uh, Duncan was announced as a second baseman, but he's appeared at second shortstop and third base for the storm chasers chasers last year. Uh, in a 2022 writer for fan graphs, Eric Longenhagen reported that Duncan has a 40 grade bat speed, but great hand-eye coordination given his defensive versatility. He should be a valuable depth piece for the Chihuahuas in 2024. Yeah. Kind of sounds like a Matthew Batten type. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, where he can play all over the place, makes a ton of contact. I, you know, Batten hits the ball harder than you would think when he steps into the box. You, you're you not expecting. He's got a little more pop than you think. Sounds like that's not quite there with Dungan. Um, but, you know, utility guy that can play everywhere. You never know when you're going to need somebody like that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how. So what what do we say when uh, <laughs> what the, the average the average hitter in, in the Pacific Coast League hits above 300? Right. Right. And, and in the average, you know, in average in the in the international league, it's 273, 280. Yeah, it's crazy how different the two AAA leagues are. And then depending on what ballpark you play, like if your home right. ballpark is is Reno, then your numbers are going to look so skewed. And yeah. I mean, we see that for guys that play for El Paso. You'd see yeah. Austin Hedges go down there and hit 350 and just smashing bombs right and left. And then you get excited and they come up and they don't quite do that. It doesn't translate. It does not translate. But going on to Omar Cruz, he was sent as an amateur free agent by the Padres out of Mexico in 2017. Mad Friar says, Cruz, now 24, was part of the Padres international signing class in 2017, but was a part of the Padres prospect package that sent the Pittsburgh Pirates, Joe Musgrove, to us. In 2023, Cruz appeared in 27 games, one start for AA Altoona, where he went one for four with a 3.94 ERA. In 48 innings, he walked 30 batters and struck out 44. In his time with the Padres organization, he worked primarily as a starter. Both players were assigned to El Paso. The Padres did not lose any players in the in either portion of the Rule 5 draft. And the, for the first time since 2018, 
that another organization did not pluck a player from the Padres. That's very interesting. Yeah. So the way the rule five, so the major league phase of the rule five draft, you can select any player from the minors that have been you know in the system for so long in the minor league phase. It's you can select players that are not on triple a rosters. Yeah. So Tirso Ornelas, for example, is on the triple a roster. So he was not eligible to be selected in the minor league phase. And he was so, probably the most likely guy to get like protecting him. He could have gone on the 40 man roster even though he had a breakout season in AAA, didn't seem like he was going to get picked up. So they left him unprotected. And organizations do that. They know who, you know, who they want to protect and who they're not going to protect. I think, didn't we pick up Fran Mill Reyes that way? Um, no, no. Fran Mill, we, he seemed like a, like a lock to get picked in the Rule 5 draft. And then he broke his hamate bone. That's right. In, uh, in, in the, uh, it was either an instructional league or it was, it was right before the Rule Five draft, um, and so he went unselected, and then he became he became Fran Mill. He yeah. became Franimal, yeah. the Franimal. Became the Franimal. That's right. Okay, so to wrap it up, we've got a couple old friend alerts. I'm not going to do this for every minor league, you know, every former Padre yeah. that gets picked up somewhere, but guys that we've talked about a lot that we've kind of grown fond of that are moving on to some other organization. I'm I'm going to throw them a quick little bone here. Uh, so a couple of them came across today. Taylor Colway was signed by the Mets to a minor league deal with an invite to big league spring training. Uh, made his major league debut last year. Didn't yep. have too many opportunities to do much at the major league level last year, uh, but you know, I I'm always happy to see somebody make it. He was doing Absolutely. so well in triple a, we were crying yeah. for him all summer. So finally he got his call and then Nabil Krismat and this one always stings. He was signed by the Dodgers to a minor league deal. And I, he's an old friend until he goes on his revenge tour and comes yeah, down right. to Peco park <laughs> and just makes Padres hitters look silly. And then he'll no longer be an old friend. Uh, but until then Nabil Krismat holds a special place in my heart. Yeah, absolutely. Both those guys. I mean, how for how many years in a row did we say Taylor Callaway's coming up? And then, you know, they picked Matt and they picked Batten and, you know, Taylor stayed down there. I, he didn't get that many opportunities this last year. And that's I, I kind of felt bad for him because it's like, hey, why don't you could have given him a start there? You could have given him a start there. He sat on the bench and um, it, it, it sucked because I think he could do it. I could. There is a place for him on a major league roster. Is he an everyday starter? Probably not. But is he that fill-in guy once or twice a week? Absolutely. To give guys a day off at first base, even a little bit in the outfield. Um, right. And so the Padres are going to be looking for guys like that. You know, they yeah. need to fill in a couple of spots in the outfield. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see. I mean, Jung-Hoo Lee is the next name on the list. That's it. Center fielder from Korea. Uh, and I'm... I think I I keep everything seems to be pointing. He's best friends with Ha Sung Kim. Um, I was looking at his numbers. Seems, seems like he's a pretty similar hitter to Kim. Kim was a little bit more homer heavy in Korea, where Lee is more of a doubles machine. Right, hits for a little bit better average, uh, strikes out a little bit less. Uh, but they say he's a very good defensive center fielder. And it took Ha Sung Kim a while to acclimate to San to, to the United States, to the culture, and to Major League Baseball to pick it up high velocity. But now he he's he can draw out the roadmap. He's already started helping like a year ago. He started right. working with to help him. Okay, these are the things you need to do to be ready for the majors. And so I have a feeling that that transition is going to happen a lot faster for him. And I would love to see it happen in a Padres uniform. I absolutely, and I saw that once where like now that we have the savings for that, that they can focus on Lee. And I did read somewhere where last year, um, 
Kim was working with Lee and Kim made an adjustment with his with his batting stance and it created this year for him. And he showed Lee the same thing. So and I thought I saw he he maybe has a tick in average, but it, he also kind of took the same route with a change in um in approach or not approach, but in the batting stance, uh, and saw some saw some results from it. Right. Um, the one thing, his batted ball profile, I was looking at that. He puts the ball on the ground a ton. And in Korea, they play on a lot of artificial surfaces. The the It's a fast infield and infielders aren't as rangy as they are in the majors. So that won't quite play. And I'm wondering if that's something that they were working on was how to generate a little bit more loft uh, in, in his game um, so that those line drives start carrying a little bit farther and the ground balls become, you know, hot line drives through the infield. Did you did you see earlier this week where Hassan Kim filed a police report for being blackmailed? I did. Yeah, it's a former teammate from years ago, <laughs> and there's been some ongoing thing between the two of them, and somebody loaned the other money. And I mean, it's a wild story. Uh, but it's it's far away from the baseball field, and I don't think it's anything that's going to you know mess with who Ha Sung Kim is in the 2024 baseball season. But my gosh, that's that's a that's a wild one. I saw it. My heart jumped. Then I kind of read. All right, no, okay, that's fine. How that's so bizarre. How someone try, how, do people blackmail people anymore? I thought now they just like ransomware. <laughs> well, I mean, so with the okay, we can talk to uh, to to Hector Gomez about this with the minor league players. There's that new company that came up and they they write these guys contracts that right. like okay, your your first so many years of your big league contracts you're going to owe us this huge percentage out of it i mean that's almost a term of blackmail and i've got to wonder that there's a lot of stuff that happens behind you know behind the curtain for people from other cultures i don't think that happens with american players a whole lot right. uh, but who knows you know i mean you get somebody like tommy fam that grew up in in from very humble beginnings yeah. Somebody that helped him out along the way, maybe they're you know holding on to something that years later, like okay, you just signed your thirty million dollar contract, you got to take care of me now, or I'm gonna I'm gonna release this information. I I bet I bet more of that happens than we know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, speaking of the loan, like the loan, I can't remember the name of the company. We talked about it way back, uh, several a couple of years back. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, did that, and one mm-hmm. of the kind of the, one of the side notes on his large contract with the Pods was like he's going to give that company like 37 million dollars out of the whole damn thing like some some dozens of millions of dollars to um to which to you know to make that contract what's what i'm looking you, for here yeah you can kind of look at it i mean okay so you've got all of these thousands of young players that are trying to make it and most of them are going to wash out and but they don't have the money. They don't have the backing to help them out along the way. So here's somebody that's going to come along and they're going to give them some money and help them so that they can train, they can live, they can, without having to worry about how they're going to put food on the table or take care of their family back home, give them a little bit of security, knowing that when they do make it, you know, they're going to lose whatever, five, 10, whatever percent um, to this, this, this contract that they signed when they were a kid. Right. Uh, and so if you're Tatis and you make it and you have to write that big check, maybe you look at it like, okay, this is me paying my dues for all of those, those that came before me that, that, you know, laid the groundwork. And then I'm helping the ones that are coming up behind me. I, I could see, but I mean, I don't know if, right. if it was right, right in that check, right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to look at it that way 
honestly. That's probably the way that they try to sell it to them. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that I, we went through this. I'm pretty sure that the company, like, if you don't make it, you're not going to owe that company like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It, it's there's there's contingencies in it where like if you don't make it, that you don't have to necessarily pay them back. Right. But they're not exactly shelling out a hundred thousand dollars for tons of these guys. You know. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we got a busy, busy week, dude. I got a, I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> well, I've got to get back to Flight Tracker and see what planes are flying right. to Toronto or to, <laughs> to to Miami or Atlanta. Who's dude. flying where? Okay, so this plane that was. Were you paying attention to this at all today? No, I was. I watched the Shane McGowan uh, memorial, and then I had to get. You know, then it got busy at work. Oh my gosh. So the, the, the buzz was all about, okay, Shohei Otani is on a private jet and he's going to Toronto and they're going to have a press conference today. And he's going to be a Toronto blue Jay. That's what everybody was saying. And then somebody came out and said, Shohei Otani is not on a plane. He's not heading to t- Toronto. He's in San Diego. He's in Southern California at home. So, there, there was a specific plane that they thought he was on. And, right. you know, there's this website that you can put in the tail number of the plane and you can track it. You can actually see where in the sky that plane is right now. And that's what everybody thought that that's his plane. The plane gets there and who pops out is the guy from Shark Tank. His name's Robert Herjavec. He's some, okay. you know, some, some <laughs> multimillionaire, like capital investment guy. That's the guy that everybody thought was going to be Shohei Otani. So I bet he showed up and there's all the paparazzis and right. ready to click their click their pictures and nope nope it wasn't him i so we're expecting <laughs> to hear where shohei otani is <laughs> gonna be i mean heck i'm not i mean it's it's still padres might it could happen who knows right so you're saying there's still a chance there's still a um, chance and you remember none but it's 0.001 it's down there somewhere and let me point out remember this time last year aaron judge was a giant right about what 30 minutes for maybe three hours. Is that, was that what it was? It was maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then they went out and got in and out and changed his mind. I don't know. Uh, And Carlos Correa. I mean, the ink was, the ink was on the contract and then they, nope, they tore it up. Nope. Nope. We're not doing that because we saw something in his ankle and then he went off and had a great season. Yeah. Who knows? See this, it's such a wild, fun time in the off season. And if you take it too seriously, it's going to drive you nuts. Uh, But I, I say embrace the chaos. Embrace the chaos just like the Diamondbacks did and embrace it's Christmas time. It is the Christmas season. We have presents coming under the tree. We're opening up some early. We have more presents to come in the coming weeks and months. And once we even get out to spring training, a lot of teams will drop guys. We'll drop guys. We'll pick up guys. There's always that, that well, we'll take him. We'll put him there. We'll, we'll take that guy. We'll, we'll send that guy over there. We'll put him there. Like there's still lots of to do and lots of time to get it done. Right, so then that means we need to get together one more time. All right. Get together one more, one more time. time. Get All right, together until... one more time. All right, until next time, I am at Zippy underscore TMS. And I am SD Donovan on Twitter. All right, let's go. We'll catch you next week.
where in the world is Shohei Otani?